Welcome back to Character Concerns Podcast turned radio show. Jay Binkley, Chris Nocero, Julio Sanchez, spinning the music, producing the operation, Matt McMullen for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Matt, something we were talking about during the break because we were talking about quarterbacks for a second. Steve Young did not have over 25, or no, over 2,200 yards passing until he was 30 years old. Wow. That's crazy. Hall of Famer. Mahomes, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen, but he was not good and put up numbers until he was in his 30s. How many yards did he rush for in those seasons? Because he was, he was a bit of a runner, wasn't that, he? Yeah, he had, some, he had some serious rushes in that time. Um, let's see. I put you on the spot. No, you did. I don't have his total rushing numbers, uh, just his passing numbers on this website I'm at now. But, yeah, but he was one of the better runners in um, – in uh, for as far as quarterbacks are concerned, and in the lefty, not only that, he gave the uh, best uh, the best analysis of the Chiefs' season last year when teams quote caught him at that point. I'll have to look at passing. Here's rushing. Here, let's see if we're down here. It's way down here. Um, he ran for 4,200 yards in his career, but he he was like Mahomes. I mean, there's 407, 293, 253, 10, 199, 454 in his 30s. Yeah, I mean, very Mahomes like numbers running. Yeah. And follow Joe Montana with the. And we always think about what a, we always think about what a great runner Steve Young was. Mahomes right there in that category. And Mahomes doesn't get credit for that for some reason. He really doesn't, and he should, even with one ankle. I, I think it's just because of what he does as a passer. It kind of overtakes what he does as a runner. But like anyone who watches enough of him knows that while he's not like a Lamar Jackson or a Jalen Hurts or anybody like that. He is absolutely a threat as a runner, and because he's a threat as a runner, it makes him as a running, as a throwing, when he throws on the run, he's so much more effective because teams believe he will run, and that's why he's able to pull off all the crazy throws that he's able yeah. to make, like the under, like him him throwing that underhand throw over the defenders there to uh, to Jared for the touchdown. He's just smart with his runs. He's just smarter. They than knew. He knows whether, here's Mahomes, yeah. 272, 218, 308, 381, 358 for a 5.2-yard average. Like, that is very Steve Young-esque running the football from Patrick Mahomes, and we think of Steve Young being one of the better runners. Patrick just wants someone chasing him. That's where he's at his best as a runner. Someone's behind him chasing him. Right, and he's <laughs> he's always good when he's using – he's, like, teasing, running, and then someone gets open and he's able to make those crazy throws. Yeah. I think that's what makes him – that's why his running is so effective because he's able to bait guys into coming after him, and then inevitably someone's going to get open and it's a big play after that. I'll never forget Wink Martindale a few years ago when he was with the Ravens, not the Giants, because he was a longtime defensive coordinator, you know, even with the Ravens, very good defensive coordinator with the Ravens. And he said there's two two things to Patrick Mahomes, the play they call and the play he runs. He goes, it'll take every game, break it down, and you think you got it stopped, and you don't have it stopped. Yeah, it's the play after the play. Yeah. If the initial play is stopped, the defense did its job, but Mahomes still has the football. Absolutely. And anything can happen. That's when it breaks down. That's when these guys get scared. All right, back to the mock. Round three, pick 95. We'll go Kobe Turner from Wake Forest. He's a defensive lineman, but just a position group, a defensive line. It, what, that's one thing about mocking, man, because every time you make a mock, you sit there and go, right, like a tight end winner's here. Oh my God, I forgot defensive lineman. And you sit there and you have all this discourse like, how could I forget a defensive lineman being taken? But that's just sometimes the way the board goes, and you look back and say, well, now you got to go out and get, you know, somebody still on the on the on the on the heap out there. But defensive line, 
They did lose Colin Saunders uh, this year. Great runs there. What a great year he had. I mean, just really did from training camp on. Uh, this is attitude, the way he played football. But what would you say with the Chiefs and defensive line? Because they do like those versatile guys, like a men who could play inside and outside. Chris Jones could play inside and outside. Do you think the Chiefs will look for defensive line? Because some people think that could be even a spot if they had to go defensive line in the first round. I think it makes a lot of sense because you can never have enough defensive linemen. The Chiefs have added to that spot over the course of free agency. I think Charles Aminihu is a guy who can play inside and also play outside. Uh, but you can never have enough young athletic players who are versatile along the defensive line. So I'd be on board with, with Kobe. Tyler. Like, it, it, man, Aminihu lined up 364 snaps outside, 144 over the tackle, 138 as a defensive tackle last year, it's a pro football focus ad. That versatility is so important. And that's, we were talking, Sam McDowell put it out. We were talking off air earlier about how the Chiefs don't typically go for the lighter edge rushers. And that's why you want guys with some size to them where they can also play inside. Uh, and Kobe Turner, uh, a guy that could probably play a little bit off the edge at 293 pounds, but also bounce inside and play a lot, a defensive tackle as well. You can use those guys and you can never have enough of them. I'd be on board. So, one thing I thought the Chiefs would do is a lot of offense this year. Last year was about defense, seven out of ten picks. Actually, you go back, what, 11 of their last 16, like, top four selections in the four, one through four rounds have been on defense. And it's like eventually, you know, you got to, you know, supply Patrick with his weapons. But we go defense again, round four, pick 122. Uh, go edge again as we go Isaiah McGuire from Missouri, 6'4", 270 pounds, very physically impressive. Um He's the guy that, I mean, the round four, you get a guy like that, I think, in the way he played in the SEC last yeah. year. The way Missouri's defense was last year, it was a very good underrated defense. Yeah, you look at the physicality, the the he's got great length, weights up there where you in that in that range that you would like to be, very strong player. Like just from that standpoint, you could move him to the inside, which I think is one of the big reasons why the Chiefs really like the bigger edge rushers because we think about guard and tackle on offense yeah he does they do the same thing on defense yeah they move they they really like the versatility spags is all about that if you look at the defenses that the defensive lines that he had when he was with the the dc for the giants those guys were behemoths they were huge they were it, it wasn't a bunch of small guys out there trying to just beat the the corner around the edge it was guys who were really strong i i, I talked about this a whole lot before this past season about how Spags had that NASCAR formation that he really liked, where he ran four defensive ends across his uh, across his line, and they were just all power rushers who were just going to, like somebody was going to get home to the quarterback. And it was one of the big reasons why they were able to upset the uh, the Patriots in the Super Bowl back in 07. And it was, it was all because he had so much versatility and so many different guys he could put out there that he was able to generate a pass rush in many different ways with all these different stunts. I just look at what, a, a guy like Isaiah McGuire could do. And like, he kind of fits that profile because you could just put him in there and, and you could line him up at different spots and he's going to be effective in all those roles with the right coaching and the right work ethic and whatnot. And so I, I just feel like the size, the strength, the athleticism, it all comes together with him. Well, you think about defensively what Steve Spagnuolo did, and I don't know if he gets enough credit for what he did because we look at the offense and how creative the offense was, you know, just having one 1000 yard pass catcher and Kelsey, that's it. But you think about Steve Spagnuolo. You think about this defense, because I've heard this argument all the time. Well, Mahomes can make any receiver look great. That's true. He can. Well, guess what the Chiefs defense did? People said they couldn't get to the quarterback last year, and they got there 55 times an uptick of 24 from the year before. But they didn't just do it from the edge rushers. 
It was Leo Chanel coming in. It was Nick Bolton getting a couple sacks. It was Jerry Sneed from the nickel. They found a way in the rotation they had on the defensive line. But they were 55 sacks last year. I don't think people give enough credit. When I would listen to all the Super Bowl talk and everything, is about the Philadelphia Eagles and this vaunted, you know, pass rush they had, which it was. They had a nice gap of 70 to 55, but that's still one and two in the National Football League. But that's the way the Chiefs have done it. I don't think they get enough credit for getting to the quarterback like they did last year. They really don't. They have more quarterback hits, I think, than anybody. Everyone was talking about the Eagles' pass rush going into the Super Bowl. Nobody was talking about the Chiefs' pass rush, and the Chiefs were the only team that ended up with a sack in that game. Colin Saunders had a sack on Jalen Hurts when he pushed him out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. I think you could never have enough of these guys, these edge rushers. And to get Isaiah McGuire at pick 122, I'm guessing, in the fourth round, yes. he's, he's, yeah. Dane, he's Dane Brugler from The Athletic, who's one of the best draft analysts out there. 100%, mm-hmm. yeah. He's this 94th overall player. That's also a value thing where, let's say they feel good about edge rusher, but if a guy like McGuire is available in the fourth round, you feel like you have to do it because you can never have enough of those guys, and it's just a tremendous value at that spot. So once again... I'm on board. I don't think I'm going to say I hate any of your picks, guys. I think you've done I mean, it's well. okay if you don't like <laughs> it. It's fine. We're not going to beat you up. I'm also you're a Mizzou good. guy, so I'm on board. Okay. Oh, you're on board. You're on board. Yeah. He's a Mizzou guy. Okay. According to Dan Orlovsky, put it out here, Chiefs had 241 quarterback pressures this season. Only Dallas had more. They con- they hit the quarterback 198 times. That led the NFL. Chiefs hit the quarterback more than any times in the NFL. So where'd that come from? Because that was a big question mark, and we're sitting here going, well, you know, Spags is able to do things with rotations as well as the offense, which makes the Chiefs that much more difficult to stop. When you and players you aren't expecting step up, and they, they maximize all the talent on the Chiefs. Round four, pick 134. I go Nick Saldaveri, offensive lineman from Old Dominion. Said yes. it right. Good job. I did say it right. <laughs> uh, this is a guy that uh, started the Senior Bowl once again. Jim Nagy says this guy's not a sleeper. He made 15 top 30 visits. Uh, big physical guy, 6'6", 318 pounds. Uh, the reason I wait so long to go line, because I like guys like this that you can get in the mid-round, maybe third round, maybe fourth round for him. But he's versatile. Zandy Reed and Brett Beach. Brett Beach even talked about the versatility today. We've heard that a lot. Where can you play? Can you play guard? Can you play tackle? Basically, one of the best things I remember Brett Beach told Pat McAfee uh, when, he, when he interviewed him. It was, you know, Andy Reed covets guys that, it doesn't matter who goes in, you know the playbook in whatever position. Whether you're on the inside, whether you're on the outside as a receiver, do you know the playbook so I can just put you in? He just wants to be able to put you in so you know the plays. This is guy Nick Allegretti's back here on a one-year contract. You can never have a good enough good offensive lineman, but it's a guy that's slotted to play tackle, that can play guard, can play center. I, I do think it would be nice for the Chiefs, and I'm sure they will throw a dart the offensive line direction even though it's not necessary a necessity at this point maybe it is if you think thinking right tackle well nick allegretti doesn't get enough credit for the role that he plays on the unbelievable Chiefs. versatility and that's why i agree with you because to have a versatile lineman who's not just a swing tackle but a swing lineman who can yeah. really go in at any spot and snap yeah yeah it's so important and, so and, nick. and catch touchdowns as nick allegretti did, uh, in the playoffs but that's why when joe tooney went out for a few games last year Joe Tooney is one of the best guards, if not the best guard in the NFL. But I know Nick Allegretti can go in there and do it. And even when the Chiefs go tackle over tackle, they bring in an extra guy like they do on the goal line on occasion or in short yardage. You bring in Nick Allegretti, uh, a guy like Solovardi, Saldaveri. Good job. Good I know. Job. I corrected myself. Nick Saldaveri. <laughs> 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 I could feel your eyes on <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? I spend hours on YouTube and this is what I get. <laughs> but they, they can fill that role and it's an important one, even if they're not 
necessarily a starting lineman to have that guy on your roster and and especially a young guy who's under team control for quite a while who can grow within the offense it's very valuable correct me if i'm wrong but in joe tooney the only guy in nfl history to start his first three seasons in the super bowl I believe he is, yeah. Yeah, with the Patriots. And never missed a game either. Never missed a game, but he started his first three seasons in the NFL in the Super Bowl with the Patriots. Yeah, he's got a fistful of rings now. And, he, and he's blocked for Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. That does not suck. It's a hell of a career. And the toughest guy ever, like playing an entire season oh. in 2021 with a broken hand, essentially. That just shows you. Uh, I mean, I got a, I got a broken finger. Yeah, he's, doing, I don't, he's doing radio I don't, with a broken I don't, finger. I don't think, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think I could I could try to block another 300-pound man with a broken well, finger. block Aaron Donald? No, <laughs> not at all. affecting your radio draft coverage? No, it's, I'm fine. I it, Luckily, I don't have to use it for anything except to point at things, so I'm good. But... Uh, I can't imagine playing with this for an entire 17-game season now. It's what these guys do, and not only that, they keep playing because they've played in the postseason all the way to the Super Bowl to the AFC title game. I mean, it's what they do. The Chiefs play a lot of football. Forget about the 17 <laughs> games. These guys play more than that. That's why they were never complaining about, you know, more more football games. <laughs> Round five, pick 166. Uh, Chris threw a dart here. Evan Hole, he's a running back for Northwestern. One thing about him is he's similar size to Pacheco. But he's got tremendous hands. What fifty-five catches? I think last yeah, year. Yeah, he was he was basically another wide receiver for Northwestern. And he went Deuce Vaughn in the previous mock. Which yeah, again, I did. Gives you electricity I, with catching the football out of the backfield and running it. Um, looking for just it's what the Chiefs Chiefs. I've always felt like Andy Reid running backs had to be able to block one, two catch, three run. Yeah, they got to and and like in this case, Hull he's he's a strong running back, so he has the potential to be a pass blocker, but. Uh, at, at in college, he wasn't the best pass blocker needs to work on that, but his ability to run his ability to catch the ball is going to be something that fits in with the chiefs. Like we obviously know the chiefs very much prefer running backs that can catch the football. You can't catch the football. You have a hard time making and you it. Get a block for, and you get a block for 15. Yeah. I mean, that was the, that and that was the thing about like, like Ronald Jones, for instance, he had a hard time because he wasn't much of a pass catcher and he was an awful run, he, he, run he ball, look, a pass blocker. But the one thing like to jet McKinnon, I mean, yeah. you think about how good he McKinnon, was at the end of the year. Set that NFL record for so most valuable. But the thing that's not talked about is those touchdown passes they were able to throw him because of his blocking. Exactly, because he, he helped out Andrew Wiley a lot and Orlando Brown Jr. a lot on chip. the stat book. That was not in the stat book, but if you had the eye and you were watching, you were seeing number one over there helping out the tackles, you knew it was very it, important. It's there. why I came to the conclusion at the end of the year, Jerry McKinnon was the best off-season signing in the National Football League because he wouldn't sign. I know he played with the Chiefs the year before, which I've been pushed back on this before. It was, wait a minute, he's a free agent. He didn't sign with the Chiefs till June 14th. But Von Miller, tremendous. But when he got hurt, Buffalo became a different defense. Jarrett McKinnon played for league minimum. That guy was that good, that good of a blocker for Mahomes. I can't think of somebody made more to their team than what he meant to the Kansas City Chiefs playing for league minimum. So I'm putting all these things, all these equations in there. That's why I put McKinnon as the best free agent signing. And scored, what, like nine touchdowns? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> making league minimum being that good as a blocker, that good as a pass catcher, and he would just do everything for you. Was a team leader and everything. I mean, just that, that to me was the best free agent signing in the National Football League. And just one of the sneaky MVPs of the whole season last year. 100%. Like, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, those are your team MVPs. But when you're looking at the undercover guys, Jerick McKinnon was that guy for the Chiefs last year. And you can never have enough of those kinds of players I think Hole makes a lot of sense, and it's not just his pass-catching ability, which is so valuable, and that's so important for a Chiefs and an Andy Reid running back, but also he's 210 pounds. So he's not 
a guy who's so light where he can't get those tough yards for you. Uh, and I like his production over the last two seasons. Had a 1,000-yard season in 2021, nearly a 1,000-yard season in 2022, uh, playing in the Big Ten. So I know running back is not the most exciting position. Nowadays, it's, it seems like you can find him later in the draft. We saw that with Isaiah Pacheco. But it's an important role, especially on an offense nowadays, where you're throwing the football so much out of the backfield, you can never have enough of these kind of players. I, I think I think because the Chiefs are in a position that they're in, you can afford to go a, a running back early on the third day like that just because you can kind of take some shots and go after some players that you don't need to have on your team, but they help you win more games because of their presence. Think about, think about McKinnon. We just talked about exactly nine touchdowns in the last six games, nine in the last six. That was an NFL record because he got one in six straight games. They had nine complete. One was rushing eight were receiving. That is unreal. We weren't sitting around here like, Oh, they got Jarek McKinnon back. That's a huge signing. It was like, oh, cool, Jared's back. But we saw how important it was as the season went along. Once you started to see how important he was with chipping edge rushers there on the, in the passing game and just how important he was in, in as far as catching passes and making plays happen with his legs. And it was just – it was really nice to see him come in there and help the team out because, like, Pacheco still got some room to to grow as far as a receiver and as a pass blocker. And so having a veteran presence like Jet McKinnon out there, able to help your team out in so many different facets, that was one of the reasons why the Chiefs were in a position they were in all season long. So that's why they were the dominant team in the AFC. Being the unselfish, like Frank Clark, right. helping out Karloffis, what Tomba's doing with him, you know, the hand fighting and everything else. Uh, guys helping other guys. Round six, we go... Uh, Actually, Nick did. did I'm, you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say the name. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't trust you to say the name. I can say it. Vilami Fajoko. Uh, no, you didn't say it right. You said it wrong. It's <laughs> Viliami Fajoko. I was at the No, said. that's not what you said. I said Viliami You said Vilami Fajoko. I said Viliami Fajoko. You botched it the first time. Regardless. It's Viliami Fajoko Jr. San Diego State. I know Nick yes. took him his time. You've taken it. It's my past. guy. He's my guy, though. He's my guy. He is a... Uh, so so the, we've got two edges now. Yes, yes. And now... He isn't just an edge. This is where we start getting into the versatility aspect. He's a guy, he's he's 6'3", 276. So on the bigger end for an edge rusher, I think he could very well be an asset to them as an interior rusher. Veach today was on, did his pre-draft presser, and he talked a lot about Charles Omenihu playing on the inside on pass rushing downs. Well, if you get a guy like Vahoko, and we already know like Mike Dana is certainly a guy they like rushing three-tech, if you have a guy like Fajoko as well, who could also be a situational three tech, then all of a sudden you have more versatility on your line. Fajoko, obviously, he could be a, he can be a uh, he can be an edge rusher, but having a guy like that with his size, and a lot of people think he could be on the very effective on the inside. You've got so many different guys you can kind of move around and put in different spots that I think he he could be a very big well, asset for you in the, in the and, past. And rush. Brett Veach spoke about that today in his press conference. He was talking about Steve Spagnuolo, the way he works these uh, defensive players. The versatility is is high on the list on um, really all across the board on both sides of the football at every position. I mean, guys, receivers that can play inside and outside, and you know, tight ends that can you know be difference makers in the pass game, but also blocks block. And as you mentioned with Steve, I mean, um, you know, this. The intelligence factor, though, and, and you know, Steve, um, every coach wants smart players, but I don't know if I've ever been around a coach that um, puts that premium at the highest level, and, and he wants guys that um, 
he wants to do a lot of different things, very much like Coach on the offensive side. I mean, he wants to do a lot of different things. He wants to give a lot of different looks. He wants to disguise a lot of different co coverages, and he wants these guys to be all on the same page and all in tune and, and be ready to fly and be ready to play fast. And um, But, I, I mean, obviously there would be certain traits with running his scheme and playing four down, being long, athletic, and, and what have you. But certainly just the um, the intelligence factor is, um, you know, and the standard that we set there is, is that makes it tricky a little bit in the draft because um, like Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis are great examples. I mean, those guys were you know great players, but those guys I mean could be coaches in, in down the line. I mean, they're so smart and they're so dedicated. But um, but but no, I mean Steve likes guys that are are tough, versatile, smart, and um, you know certainly you want to come to work every day. So that kind of falls in line with what we're talking about the versatility of the players. We'll react to that. Plus, we'll finish up our draft next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Character Concerns. One week from the National Football League Draft. I'm Jay Binkley with Chris Unocero. Nick Schwartz will join us next week. Julio Sanchez produced the operation. And I didn't kidnap him, but Matt <laughs> McMullen of the Kansas City Chiefs. I got to say this because this is what guys here will say. What did you do, strap him to the chair? Yeah, Mrs. McMullen, we have Matt strapped to a chair. Don't worry. <laughs> character concerns, he'll, guys. He'll be home soon. He'll be home soon. We'll let him We'll let him loose here pretty soon. I mean, I get to talk about the draft all night. Oh, Let's yeah. talk about the Chiefs. I'd be doing this anyway. This has been great. I mean, you, you talk to everybody. You, you get everybody there when you're with the Chiefs. All right, we're in round six now. Pick 217. We, we do this uh, mock drafts. So you can check out the Character Concerns podcast. We appreciate you go. You can download it right there. 610sports.com and our 435 podcast network. Also, we always do our mock drafts and we do a web page for them so you can go quickly and look at who we picked at 610sports.com. It's right there in the front. There's a big picture of uh, Dalton Kincaid right there, the tight end from Utah you can click on. Uh, this is a guy that uh, Chris picked the first mock we did. I looked for him the next mock, but he wasn't available. No, he got, he got taken a little bit before. But I got him again. His name is Hunter Lukey. He's a fullback from North Dakota State. Uh, this is a do-it-all type of player. This is an Andy Reid player, if I've ever seen one. Uh, MVP of the 22 national title game. They didn't win it this year, South Dakota State. And my guy, Tucker Kraft, won it this year. But the Chiefs don't have a fullback on the roster. Obviously, no, we know the success of Anthony Sherman. Then Burton was on this roster. But they do not have a fullback on the roster. He could play tack, uh, tailback as well. Can line up as tight end. Uh, he, heck, he even did wildcat snaps um, for um, for North Dakota State. But he's got great hands, tremendous hands. Jim Nagy was raving about him. Uh, NFL personnel, look at this guy, Mel Kuyper, said this is a good football player back in October. People at Field Yates is talking about him back in October. Um, when I think about a guy that can play four phases on special teams, again, this is something that's still one-third of the game. I get that, but trick plays, something that Andy Reid likes doing. A guy that you can put as an H-back in at different times. You have an injury, two tight ends. Um, you want a guy to get the short third and ones. You know that battering ram? You know a guy that can do it? Or a guy that can take snaps at quarterback and do it for you, too, a la Blake Bell, Hunter Lupke. Uh, this was, 
I know I said Jonathan Mingo is my favorite pick. This actually was right there with it. One A, one B. I have my spreadsheet that I keep every year with the Chiefs depth chart and all the guys that are signed to futures deals and try to keep an idea of who the Chiefs have on their team at all times, which can get kind of complicated in the offseason. And it's weird not having that full back, full back spot uh, taken which up by a player. Which is going away the dodo bird, I mean, the National Football League, but the Chiefs yeah, most, not most for Andy Reid, though. You yeah, know? They and, had two Super Bowl titles with the fullback. And, yeah. and if you go back and look at Damian Williams' run to the end zone that sealed Super Bowl 54 for the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis always mentions this whenever we watch that play, that does not happen without Anthony Sherman making a block that lets Damian break free. The fullback never gets any acclaim or attention or the spotlight, but the fullback in Coach Reed's offense does a lot. And it's not just offense. It's also as a four-phase special teamer. And I, I love the yeah, idea of bringing really this guy out in there here. You can go throw a bunch of money at There's not the Burton sitting out there or whatever. I mean, the veteran fullback market. I, I'm looking at this. The best fullback, in my opinion, in a draft. You're going to be paying six-round money for it just – too, makes too much sense for me. And he, I believe he's an All-American three years in a row. Yeah. I mean, just seems like he makes way too much sense. National title MVP. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is that he is a very proficient receiver, and so you can use him in so many different ways because of that. Great hands. Chiefs had some issues in some short-yarded situations last year, and they kind of got predictable on, like, one-yard situations. They just hand it off to Michael Burton, and he just runs into the back of his line. I got a solution. Blake Bell take the handoff, and you have uh, Luke just push him forward. I mean, anybody on that team that's strong just back there pushing him forward. Just, I just have Luke push I, him forward because the NFL is going to allow it still. I just think it'd be fun to have Luke out there playing in, in, in the fullback spot or maybe even like an H-back in some situations, and he could just catch the football and – he can make so many plays down the field just because he's so athletic for for a fullback. I, I think he'd be really fun to watch. He gets comparisons to uh, Kyle Juszczyk for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I, to me, he's not going to get a ton of usage, and I think that's the reason why a lot of people are like, oh, you don't need a fullback. But the Chiefs do covet the position. They've always had one with Andy Reid on the team, and they are so creative with how they're able to use players like him. I mean, think first game in uh, 2018 and you have Anthony Sherman playing back there. He runs a wheel route. Patrick Mahomes catches him perfectly over the top touchdown pass. Nobody thought that Anthony Sherman was going to run a wheel route for a touchdown pass. Well, they used Burton a few times on, on so the teams got wise on it. Yeah. They used him for a stretch of games where they used him right, to do that. Right, right. But, but they don't do it that often, though, and so that's why I think it works. Well, this Lupke averages 76 yards rushing per game three years ago, and we're talking about a guy 458, 543, 621 as a, quote, fullback, H-back, wildcat quarterback, Tied in, nah, favorite guy, and he's got great hands. I can't say enough about him. And also, yeah, he played in the FCS. He played at the Alabama of the FCS. And he played with Christian Watson. Yeah, at North, at North Dakota State and Trey Lance, right? Yep, Trey yep. Lance. Trey Lance is a guy. But I'm just looking at Dane Brugler's draft guide here. He only played against an FBS defense one time. It was Arizona, and he accounted for 180 yards of total offense. So yeah, you'll take that. Up. You'll take that. And again, he's not going to be – he's not a feature back <laughs> – He's not going to get like 10 touches a game, but if he gets you two touches in a game, they're probably very meaningful touches because he's being used in a way that's going to help them he score makes points. A special teams block and extend drives. tackle. Whatever, exactly. For special teams, such a huge part of the game. I mean, yeah. people don't want to talk about it. It's boring. It's not fun to talk about. It's not sexy. Just like the offensive line. It's not fun to talk about, but Dave Tobe, you think he'd like a guy like this? Absolutely. If they draft because <laughs> cause he, he has the wait and see you're going to cut. They wouldn't cut him. It would not like cut. He knows. Okay, I could put Hunter on. See, punt returns. 
uh, kick returns, kickoffs. I can put this guy anywhere. But anyway, it's, it's Swiss Army Knife. And last but not – well, no, we're not even to the seventh round. Round six, pick 217 was Hunter Lupke. Round seven, pick 249, Lonnie Phelps, Edge, Kansas. Chris went here. To be honest with you, I, I know that he's – he didn't get a lot of run from some people but others in special teams play. This is a guy that could develop into somebody. He put up incredible, incredible stats at Kansas. Yeah, he, he's very good producer at Kansas, but the big thing you, you really like is the athleticism. One of the most athletic edge rushers at the combine and bit undersized. You would think he'd probably have to put on a little bit of weight, but the big thing about him, though, is that he could be a good rotational guy at some point in the future because of his athleticism. He is someone I, I think at the very minimum could be a good producer on special teams. But if you can, if he can develop any sort of production as a pass rusher, I think it'd be nice rotationally uh, at the edge. Yeah, there. He's undersized, more of a he's undersized. And the, yeah, Six, three, two, yeah he's a bit undersized. But, so like probably more so maybe but, like a blitzer type. But here's the caveat. 25 sacks the last two years. One of those years at Kansas was a transfer from Miami yeah. to Ohio. So 25 sacks, eh, say what you want, but that's getting to the quarterback. Yeah. And a lot of talk has been out there about how Steve Spagnuolo likes a certain kind of edge rusher in terms of size. And I've been guilty of that myself. I think that pertains more to the early rounds. So that's why I have hesitations about a guy like Nolan Smith, for example, sure. like a 240 pound edge rusher in the first round. But if you're in the sixth round and you add a guy who probably projects as a designated pass rusher at best early in the NFL, that's okay because those guys can help you win games. I don't love it early in the draft, but this late in the draft, I'm all for it. I mean, Mike Dana, prime example. Exactly. Like 6'2", he was 250 when they drafted him, and he's put on a little bit of weight. He's 255 now, but he has turned into a good rotational pass rusher. I think that's what you can hope for with Alani Phelps. And and keep in mind, your turn. And Dana was a monster at Central Michigan before he transferred to Michigan. Right, right. He's one of those, Mr. Football or whatever they call it there. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things we'll – you know, he had all his stats, but he doesn't have the measurables. And the Chiefs are like, we can work with yeah. what we see on tape. Yeah. And Lonnie Phelps fits into that category for sure. In round seven, uh, pick 250 again. They have 249 and 250 right next to each other in the seventh round. Again, I'm not going to say these are just throw darts because the Chiefs have made them work. So we, Chiefs look at seventh round different. than other, uh, Chiefs look at them as players <laughs> and starters. That's a big difference. We had Trey Tucker, wide receiver from Cincinnati. Uh, this is what Nick Schwartz said about him. I should read his bio. The Chiefs are looking for someone to fill the McCool Hardman role in their offense. Tucker could be an ideal candidate. He was a high school track star and clocked a clean 440 at the combine. A uh, 5'8", 182, so it's a bit undersized. I'll be honest with you. When I'm thinking about replacing McCool Hardman speed, and I'll, I'm thinking of a Trey Palmer that played three years at LSU and one year at Nebraska. He's a 4'3'3 guy, and he's over six foot. Trey Palmer, who's had a kick return and a punt return at LSU for a touchdown. But it's another, you know, those tweener receivers I'm talking about, third and fourth round. But in the seventh round, am I taking my chance at any wide receiver? Yes. Any kind of pass catcher I'm grabbing. Yeah. I love the and athleticism. not shying away from it. No, and I I love the – the biggest thing, though, is the athleticism. Because if you've got a guy who has an NFL level of athleticism, you coach him up, you hope that he, he takes on to the coaching – and develop some sort of skill to be a producer as a receiver. I, I think at the very minimum, though, if he's just a guy that is a special teamer, that's a win in the seventh round. 
Because a lot of those guys, especially... If you're on the roster, it's a win. Right, exactly. So if you get a receiver that sticks around for a few years in the seventh round, I'd say that's a pretty big win because that's a, a, a part of the game where you can really change the tide of, of a game just with one big return. So I, I, I like it a lot, and he's got a lot of athleticism for it. And I don't think it's just him with the football in his hands because just reading about him in Dane Brugler's draft guide, he had 15 special teams tackles in college. Mm-hmm. So really good coverage player. That's what you're hoping for in these later rounds. And if they blossom into guys who are contributing on offense or defense, then that's a bonus. But if you can find a guy who can be a really solid special teams contributor for you late, uh, that's what you want. And the Chiefs found that with Nazi Johnson this past sure. year. And that's what you're looking for at this point. So, you know, so overall, I mean, you okay? They were thinking the same yeah, their mock draft here. Yeah, am I supposed to make fun of this draft or mock well, it? You can I, mock I think you, it. I think it you nailed mock, it. So you can mock it. I mean, you got Dalton Kincaid at 31 overall. You already had me hooked. Which is a huge win right there. Yeah, you got Isaiah Which... McGuire in the fourth round. <laughs> I'm all for it. Well, we'll see how the board plays. But, you know, if we were sitting here last year doing this, saying – you know, we have George Karloftis at the end of the first round. You said we're crazy. We couldn't have said it. To get Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis yeah. in the first round? Yeah. You said we're crazy. And no. I think people thought Sky Moore could be a fringe first-round pick oh, last I, year. I had you, him in the first you round. You had him mock, yeah, he had had mocked Sky to Moore them mocked at, the Chiefs in the first. At 30 overall. <laughs> and so it was really crazy seeing him. I was sitting there. I was like, is Sky Moore going to fall this far? I like his hands, man. Yeah, me too. He's the biggest hands at the combine. Yeah, I, I thought Sky was going to be runner. late first. I thought Christian Watson was going to be late first, too. So when both of those guys fell to the second round, I was like, the Chiefs might be able to get a steal here with uh, with one of those two. And then, obviously, Sky was there in the second round. I was very, very pleased with that that second round pick there. Well, Brett Veach let us know through an interview when he was with Pat McAfee that Andy Reid does something very, very interesting when it comes to the college game and the NFL game. We'll discuss that next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Character Concerns. Jay Bankley with Chris Inocero, Julio Sanchez producing the operation. Special guest, Mac McMullen, Kansas City Chiefs in here with us. I want you to hear this, uh, Matt. This is uh, something that uh, really stood out to me. And this was uh, Brett Veach after the Super Bowl was on with the Pat McAfee show and was on there for like 30 minutes. I mean, he had him on there for a long time as they were uh, chopping it up and talking football. But he mentioned this about Andy Reid and something he does, and I find this really interesting. He does a great job of staying involved with the, with the, the college offenses. The coaches around him are really in tune with, you know, the college concept and ideas and so that when he gets younger guys he's already trying to incorporate um a lot of the stuff that they were familiar with in in college and and he just in general stays in touch with with the younger with the younger crew and and what they're watching and what they're going through and what they're experiencing in life which i think um helps them better relate as a coach i think it's incredibly interesting what he's doing i think it's incredibly important washington tried to do this a little bit when they had RG3, right? What would be successful at Baylor? Why were you a Heisman Trophy winner? What'd you do? And you look at what Andy Reid's done, you know, kind of in his history. He brings in uh, Chris Holt. Because, I mean, really, I mean, in Division One, he kind of was credited with the pistol offense. Okay, Alex Smith run the pistol. So Chris Holt uh, consulted with several teams. I think the Chiefs made him exclusive like the next year. So you're learning from the best of what did it in college. So often college football has mimicked the pro game. I think a lot of colleges are mimicking the Chiefs and the underhand tight end pass at the, or to the tight end pass, the shovel 
on the goal line. But that's interesting to me. I remember Gary Patterson once said that they were playing Texas Tech on a Thursday night. This one, Mahomes is uh, up and rolling with the Chiefs. Said he would watch Kansas City Chiefs films to prepare for Texas Tech because it was that much. All right, what made you successful in college? We're going to run the same type of stuff. That's just brilliant. It shows why he's such a great coach. It's why it's his, are you good? And what makes you good? Let's do it exactly. And it's also his ability to adapt and his ability to adapt over twenty years and keep up with the times and stay ahead of the curve is why he's been so successful. Like, let's for not so force long. you to do what we do. Let's do what you do. And so many coaches, like Chip Kelly, comes to mind. Great coach, but he has his system, right? He has his thing. This is what I do. We're going to run this, and it works for a time. But Coach Reed, the offense that he ran last year and led the Chiefs to the number one scoring offense in the NFL, none of that was happening in 1999 when he first arrived at the Philadelphia Eagles. One fun stat that I looked up years ago is in 99, it might have been Doug Peterson, at quarterback. I forget who it was for Coach Reed. But one snap was ran out of the shotgun the entire season. And I'm guessing like 60% of the Chiefs snaps are probably out of the shotgun at this point. Think about how difficult that is to adapt as a coach over 20 years. None of the things he's running now were even in his mind two decades ago. And his ability to adapt is why he is so special. And, and you're right, catering the offense to his playmakers. And, you know, other offenses in college are watching the Chiefs. They're looking to see what's making them work. And I think it's brilliant because if you've had success doing something, why not do it again? RPO system with Patrick Mahomes and what he's doing with the Chiefs. What made you successful at Texas Tech? Let's do some of that. And that way the player feels comfortable. He's familiar with what he's doing. It's like a nice pair of jeans that you've had forever, and it fits comfortably, and it makes the player feel – guess what? Wins happen when players feel comfortable. Exactly right. We'll wrap this thing up. We'll talk about the draft starting one week, one week from tonight because next Thursday – I won't sleep Wednesday. Neither of these guys. Talk about that next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Character Concerns. Jay Binkley with Chris Unocero, Julio Sanchez producing the operation, Matt McMullen in here with us tonight. Don't forget, uh, with this being a week from the draft, a ton of things. Crafter, or, uh, we're doing uh, drafts and drafts with uh, Nick Schwartz emceeing. Mitch Schwartz is going to be there, and Nate Taylor as well, and a special guest, 6.30 at the landing next Tuesday. Thursday, all hands on deck. Uh, myself, Chris, Nick Schwartz uh, broadcasting. Uh, round one of the NFL draft. We'll check in with Dusty Likens. be at the red carpet uh, down at Union Station. Uh, Fesco and Kling will be downtown. Rec, Boulevard Rec Deck is where Cody and Gold will be. Basically, everybody's somewhere. Every, everybody who works here is going to be on because hand. Because it's the NFL draft. It. The draft. It's the biggest time of the spring for the NFL. And then Friday's football and beer because we'll be at Cinder Block for rounds yes. two and three. And what what is our? We have a specialty beer for it. It's it's a it's, it's a beer, in a what? Beer is made in those kettles and everything. What's it called? This is a special blend. They call them Perkins. Yeah, that's I don't. What, that's what beer. I is. wanted. It's I like want to big to say keg. it. I don't want to big to say it because I didn't want to have to dump whatever I. And was I didn't want to say it. So, but we have a dump button. <laughs> I didn't want to dump what I was going to say because I was going to mess that up. But it's gonna be. I want. I want a second round longer. Yeah, we're gonna do like some kind of second round beer. Yeah, this is my then, favorite round. And then we'll be on nine to noon on that Saturday, covering the uh, the final day of the draft. 
Which is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's one thing fun about the NFL draft is you've seen a lot of these guys in college. Oh, yeah. Like sitting there on Saturday is one of those, oh, I remember him, I remember him. It's a whole lot of, oh, I remember that guy. I remember watching games with him. But think about a difference it can make in winning a Super Bowl or not on what happens on Saturday of the draft. What happens in Kansas City could help the next team win the Super Bowl or help the Chiefs win another one. In the position the Chiefs are in right now, you've won two Super Bowls in four years. You just won one. The draft is in your city. And you're not like a team like the Rams that mortgaged the future to win the Super Bowl. You have 10 picks in this draft, three in the top 100. You have a chance to get even better. You have all these young players in the team that are only going to get better moving forward. And we have a chance to do the whole thing again this upcoming year. It's crazy because, you know, I was talking to you guys on a break. It's like the Chiefs, you know, they've always, you know, had something to shoot for. You know, the Patriots, because you got to get through Tom Brady. You got to find a way to combat him. You got to draft for your team to beat the Patriots and you look at their defense and their offense. The Steelers, the same way. I know there's a lot of respect uh, from the organization towards Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the consistency of it, a model organization, it's like the Chiefs, and they're done. And now the Chiefs are on top and they've got everybody looking at them. Every single team is looking to draft. And we saw AFC West free agency was because of the Chiefs. That was, beca- I guarantee you there was some. Some fun words said with owners in the AFC West because the teams weren't doing anything and the Chiefs were winning the division again after they spent all that money. But the Chiefs, they just have to be better themselves. I mean, they're competing just against themselves, man. I mean, when that's a tough position to be in, the toughest position. And, and there's worthy opponents in the AFC, teams like the Bills and the Bengals, but it's it's got to hurt for them when they have a shot year after year and the chiefs just keep finding a way and the chiefs just keep getting better and they keep winning big games in the biggest of moments. And like I said, maybe an hour ago, we just need to enjoy this as sports fans and enjoy Chiefs fans. Enjoy the ride. This is our team. We're watching one of the greatest stretches of football in the NFL history. And it's our team in our city. And it's not going anywhere. All right. Let me ask you this question. Cause this is what a lot of people are talking about. So the NFL, you know, they picked the Thursday night game, the opening opening season game. And I get a bunch of different answers when I ask this question. There's one team to me to play on because the Eagles, uh, the Bengals, the Bills, all, one of those three teams would be my my, my pick out of that at that group, and the Bengals would be the team I'd want to see most because the Bills and Chiefs have played them so many times. They beat them, you know, in the postseason, lost and won in the regular season against them. The game didn't mean as much. Philly, yeah, that'd be fun because it's a Super Bowl rematch. But we just saw that. I want to see the Bengals in Kansas City on Week One. If you would ask me who I would want it to be I think I want it to be the Bengals too because it's one of the best young rivalries in the NFL I, I felt like Chiefs Bills was growing into a great rivalry and it still is but just the way things have gone with the Bengals all the emotion and drama and, in these and, games and here's the thing about it man it's not you, you think about Andy Reid when you give him bye weeks and how good he is coming off the bye 27-3 when you add in the postseason as well if you give him since what when's the schedule come out May 13th something like that sometime in early May well you get him yeah. you get him from May until September to plan for one team. That's the game. Not week four, Bengals, not week five. Week one, give them all I, that time I don't, to prepare I don't for think it. that's going to be the game. I, 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 I would think they're going to give though. them a mid-level game, and they're going to save that one for, like, prime time later in the year. But that's the one I'd want. I want to give Andy Reid all that time. I'm man. with you. Because he's going to be cooking. <laughs> I think it's going to be good. like the Patriots or somebody or the Dolphins. It'll be one of those games. Chris Inocero, big thanks. Julio Sanchez, great job as always. Matt McMullen, thanks for coming in here. Hey, I guys. love talking to Thank you. We'll cut fun. the tape off and you can you can leave after we get done. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. This was a blast. Thank yeah. you. Is he still tied up? <laughs>
We'll get the box cutter it's out. Tight over we'll, here, we'll, please. We'll cut them off that chair real quick. I'm hungry. Draft one week. See you guys. Matt will be there, I hope. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.